Hi and welcome everyone to the I Have a Dream podcast where host Rajan Navani initiates candid conversations with industry leaders and experts to explore their aspirations for India as we enter a golden period. Rajan is the national chairman of CII's Council on Future Businesses India at 75 and the Artificial Intelligence Task Force and chairman managing director and CEO of Jet Synthesis. Today's episode features BK sister Shivani, the world-renowned spiritual speaker, practitioner and a teacher of Raja Yoga meditation. That is at the heart of the teachings of Brahma Kumari's World Spiritual Organization since 1996. To find out more, stay tuned. A very good afternoon to all of you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to this session on India at 100 from Atmanirbhar to Sone ki Chiriya Bharat the golden age of India as a part of the I have a dream fireside chat series that CII has been doing with very very strong thought leaders people who have influenced society in different ways to date but more importantly those who have the ability to share their thoughts as well as have an impact and an influence on society in the years to come i mean we couldn't have got a better person to have a conversation with than sister bk shivani who is here with us today uh, she is not only been a student as she likes to call herself of the prajapita brahma kumaris ishwara vishwavidyalaya for the last 12 years but more importantly has been practicing this ancient technique of raj yoga meditation and is someone who needs no description uh, she is revered respected liked by millions around india and the world and of course you know uh, nothing takes away that she is the gold medalist from uh, pune university in electronics engineering uh, someone who has also been through uh, the entire education process in india and has now worked with many many corporates and others in her own way to be able to influence change in society both at a, a with youth and more importantly with others who have been able to uh, make change and actually propagate greater change uh, on the back of of some of her thoughts uh, especially when it comes to how do you lead you know stress free life how do you really look at living values what are uh, the inner powers and self realization that people have how do you build effective relationships and i think the most important piece that at least as far as i am concerned has been really the art of right thinking uh, through the thinkright.me app i think the affirmation led process of bringing about change in thought that can then change your life i think is a very very powerful technique that you know sister shivani has also been able to 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 share with the world uh, and really such a pleasure such a joy you know to have her here with us a very very warm welcome to you uh, sister shivani on this uh, on this chat of course we have a old relationship the two of us have known each other for a few decades right from your pune days and i must say that you know the impact that you have had uh, on society in these last 15 20 years is 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 cannot be expressed uh, in 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 words uh, you know as i said the 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 change that that we see which happens post interactions with 
people like you and particularly someone with with your kind of a thought process is 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 very very immense and uh, i think we're really happy and glad and thrilled that you know you are here with us as we are discussing something which is very different today it is really about the future of india and india's role you know in the world so cii uh, uh, back in 2007 when india was celebrating india at 16 led a visioning exercise uh, when we were celebrating it with the government of india in new york on what india could be in 75th year of independence you know i've had the pleasure of chairing that initiative for cii over the last decade and a half and i must say as we sit in our 75th year not only you know do we have a lot to celebrate on what we have achieved in the 75 years of independence but also the thousands of years of culture that you know we have had in in history but i think most importantly uh, one of the interactions with the honorable prime minister that time in 2008 was about you know how new targets and goals for india would be set for 2022 uh, if and when he came to delhi and exactly that's what happened when uh, in 2014 the honorable prime minister uh, came in uh, you know there were new india targets for 2022 set uh, not an election target for 2019 but for a larger play for india uh, as we stepped into our 75th year and today you know as we look at the future uh, you know it is really being uh, it is being discussed and described as the golden age of india Uh, as you rightly said uh, that is that is what we are going to witness over the next 25 years and our discussion really today is about how do we move uh, from you know a country which had aspirations maybe 15 years ago to one which has self confidence atmanirbhar today to really getting our true position in the world uh, as the sone ki cheriya bharat something that you know uh, we will just be recreating in the at that privilege and that position uh you know uh, several hundred years ago and really how do we come back you know to to that position so again thank you very warm welcome and maybe to kick start this discussion you know would love to get your opening thoughts on on really this journey from atmanirbharta uh to the soniki cheria or india at 100 how do you see india shaping up over the next 25 the word atmanirbhar we we are working on it as far as the country and the economy you know being self reliant but it also needs to be taken by each one of us on an individual level that what does the word atmanirbhar mean for me meaning self reliant in terms of who i am as an individual so sone ki cheriya bharat which means the golden age of the country and like you beautifully said it is what we were so we are not doing anything new we're just going to recreate what we were because time is cyclic you know so it's morning afternoon evening night and so we were that golden age we've gone through a process but now it's time to create that golden age again but when we hear the word golden age it's not only everything outside because everything outside is actually created by who we are inside so the golden age of bharat will depend on the golden age of every soul you know and which means the highest spiritual quotient because there is a very beautiful spiritual law in fact two we can say one is sankalp se srishti which means our thoughts create our world and the other is 
संस्कार से संसार मीनिंग एज विल बी आर संस्कार विच मीन्स आर नेचर आर पर्सनैलिटी ट्रेट्स विच मीन्स हु आई एम एज एन इंडिविजुअल द संस्कार विल क्रिएट आर संस्कृति विच इज आर कल्चर एंड आर संस्कृति क्रिएट्स आर संसार सो थ्री वर्ड्स संस्कार संस्कृति संसार नाउ संसार इज भारत द कंट्री बट हाउ डू आई क्रिएट दैट गोल्डन एज कंट्री बाई क्रिएटिंग दैट कल्चर द संस्कृति बट हाउ डू आई क्रिएट दैट संस्कृति आई विल हैव टू गो टू द माइक्रो लेवल विच मीन्स द संस्कार ऑफ द इंडिविजुअल सो गोल्डन एज ऑफ भारत मीन्स वेर एवरी सोल विल बी इन इट्स हाइएस्ट स्पिरिचुअल क्वेश्चन विच मीन्स एक्चुअली वेरी ऑपोजिट टू वट वी आर टूडे so it will be like the highest spiritual health so today if we have to ask ourselves what is my nature we'll say stress is normal anger is normal fear is normal worry is normal we've called these disturbed emotions internal turbulences which create discomfort which manifests as disease not only in the body but even mental health issues we've gone and called these emotions as normal now this is something that will change because if these emotions are normal then i will allow myself to create these emotions even in our work culture we will allow these emotions to be normal even for a student we will allow these emotions to be normal as a result they're taking a toll on our mental health our physical health our relationships so whether it is loneliness whether it's abuse whether it is divorce whether it is addiction it's all coming through a vacuum in our relationships but that's happening because of who i am here and of course the impact on the environment and the work that i do so sanskar se sansar so golden age of bharat means we will be working on our sanskars also in the next 100 years along with working on everything outside we will also work on our sanskars and shift to what is actually normal so stress is not normal calm and stability is normal anger and aggression is not normal empathy is normal compassion is normal understanding is normal fear is not normal faith is normal competition is not normal caring sharing cooperation is normal that is the culture and so those are the sanskars that we need to create and so if we just say it like if we call the soul like a battery you know it's not a battery it's energy but if we visualize it like a battery then india at 100 would be battery fully charged and right now the battery is not and that is why we're talking about mental health issues and cancer and diabetes and divorce so all this cannot be in the golden era of the country you can't have physical health issues you can't have mental health issues you will have beautiful relationships and you will have a very pure environment so even the environment the climate change it cannot be what it is right now so all these things will be resolved in these 100 years and then in one word you can call it paradise so that is the golden age paradise heaven on earth you know the world always came to india and even today you know comes to seek what you said you know the spiritual portion of for people to find meaning purpose in life and you know if if india had that at some point and you said that the full charge battery has come down now and we have to take it you know back up there uh, while individuals will will continue to play their role 
how, how does really society come together? What's the role, say, for industry? What's the role for different stakeholders, right? Maybe as a family unit, maybe as, you know, government. How do we make it happen? And right? how do we charge that battery, you know, back up? Uh, if we see in the last 25 years, okay, so uh, what happened was our focus was on performance, on performance, which was extremely important because, you know, in every era, whether it was education, whether it was work, it was about achievement, it was about performance. And in the last 25 years, we've got so much technology, which we did not have 25 years back. And suddenly we were connected globally, we were traveling. I mean, there's so much that has happened in the last 25 30 years which as a society has made us a performance centric society so right from school not just at the work level but right from school we are a performance centric society because performance is important but performance is not everything and performance is not success performance is one part of success but today we call performance as success. So even if we just go to school, someone who comes first or tops in their class, it doesn't matter if the person is egoistic, it doesn't matter if the person doesn't share with others, it doesn't matter if the person is aggressive, that child will be called as successful, will be awarded, will be appreciated, will be endorsed by everybody. And then there's another child who's not done very well academically, but is very humble, very caring, that child is labeled as a failure. He didn't do well. He's a failure. So parents will call him a failure. Teachers will call him a failure. His friends will call him a failure. And very soon, he himself will call him a failure. So in spite of having very beautiful sunscars, but not being performance-wise as society would label excellence, that individual is called a failure. And someone who's very successful in achievement but not taking care of their sanskars is still called successful and achiever and a performer by society. So that's that little shift which is needed, that performance is important, but person is more important than performance. Achievements are important, but sanskars are more important than achievements, which means in school, marks are important, but the child's personality is more important. So as a society, right from school, and with parents at home, if we start talking about achievement, if we start talking about our sanskars, appreciating it, endorsing it, awarding it, anything that's appreciated by society will become a priority for people. But today, children are growing up thinking, do values really work? Does it really fit in the system today? So values are something that are not being valued. So if you don't value something, it will start fizzling off. So it's just time to go back to having both performance, but also person. And if I have to prioritize between the two, then the person comes first and performance comes second. Because if a person is very powerful soul, you can make them, train them, teach them, and they will excel at whatever they do. But if a person excels at what they do, but they're egoistic, they're not able to carry a team with them, they're not able to empower, they're not intuitive, they're not compassionate, then you really can't call it a leadership quality. You really can't even call it a parental quality. And then the ripple effect, the sanskar from the parent to the children, from the leader of an organization, ripple down to the rest of the organization. So that's the only one shift that's 
required that let's start prioritizing sanskars, the person, the personality, which we used to call the character of a person, the character of a person. The other day I was talking to a head of a hospital in Delhi and he said, anyone who's a good human being will automatically be an excellent doctor. Simple, which means the human being needs to be compassionate, caring. He will automatically become a good healer. Because our vibrations, our energies, our personality, our culture, that radiates into who we are. So that's that little shift that, that we need. Hmm. So we need that shift in our education. Right? I mean, because education is probably one place where young people spend a lot of time in their initial years, right? And, and once you're ingrained with looking at performance as your metric by which society is going to measure you, Right, automatically, you know, it just becomes a part of your sanskaras and probably society. So one is shift in education. Second is the way your family members look at you, you know, uh, when you are not performing or, you know, are you a great human being or, you know, really looking at your mark sheet and saying what you have brought, yes. how society measures you, how companies will admit new employees. So you know, it's a huge shift, you know, Shivani, that has to happen across many stakeholders in society. And so uh, where, where, do, where do we begin? But you know what? It's not really a shift because like you said in the beginning, it's, it is who we were. So we're not doing anything new. It is who we were. And, you know, it's like in a family, if we have three things and one thing is missing, then automatically everyone's focus is on that one thing. So in the last, after independence, our focus was on performance because suddenly, you know, a country which has achieved independence has to do everything on their own, start right from the beginning. So the focus was on performance. And somewhere we sidelined sanskars. We only have to bring them both together. So if we start with education, then a few hundred years back, we had the Gurukul system in education. And Gurukul system meant that we're not just learning about the outside world, we're also learning about the inside world. So even a Raja, which means even the ruler of the state or the ruler of the country would have to go to a Gurukul. The teacher was not going to come to the palace to teach that prince how to rule the country or the state because the prince had to first learn how to rule over himself before he was going to rule over his region, over his area, which is the true meaning of Swarajya. So Swarajya meant self-management, ruling over the self, which means control over my mind, my sense organs. So self-management is the first step to managing other people. So whether it is a ruler of a state in those days or whether it is a leader of a company today has to begin with Swarajya. But Swarajya we got in terms of the country. Now we need Swarajya in terms of the individual. Am I a ruler over myself? Unless I'm a ruler over myself, I don't have the qualities to be able to take care of people. Whether taking care as a parent, taking care of a child, or a leader of an organization taking care of people because I don't have control over my own self. So without taking charge of myself, how do I expect other people's minds to listen to me? How is it going to happen? So Swarajya is something that was taught in Gurukul. Seva Bhav. You know, Seva Bhav. That even if you were the richest of the richest of the state, you were coming there and doing everything on your own. Everything. So today, because we are very rich, a big population is very rich, the children of today have to learn Seva Bhav. They cannot just get up from AC homes 
sit into AC buses or AC cars and go into an AC school and say, this is what the world is, because this is not true. Because then they are groomed into believing that I only get from the world. This is not success. Getting and achieving is not success. Success means to be a giver. So seva bhav has to be instilled into every individual. That was taught in the Gurukul. So what has changed in the education system is, now we are only learning about the outside world. We need to learn about the outside world, but we also need to study about the inside world. So my inside world about thoughts, feelings, emotions, sanskars has to be part of curriculum, has to be part uh, of my education. Yeah. And they have to be conveyed in a manner that people want to learn. Because, you know, here I think where ego comes in, right? Most people think that there's no problem with them. The problem is with the others, right? The problem is always outside of oneself. And I think by, at the, by a particular age, if that is built in, it's probably harder to, to change it. So do you see this Gurukul kind of uh, experience happening early in life? How do we position it as a country so that, you know, more and more people adopt it, uh, you know, as, as a choice rather than it being something, you know, pushed down uh, them? Just any thoughts on that? It's not about pushed down. If today I go to school, I mean, math, science, history, geography, literature, languages, it's something that's part of my curriculum, right? I don't have much choice in that. It is something that I have to study. Whether I use it for the rest of my life or no, I may not have used a lot of my subjects today after my schooling or after my college. Okay, apart from that, we did sports, we did elocution, we did drama, we did so many things in school. We even did art, culture, knitting. We actually do everything in school. And so much of it we don't use, but it does become a part of our personality. But what about sanskars, which is going to be used by every individual, every individual, irrespective of which profession they choose or what they choose to become. So that's something that we're not talking about. So once we start that Gurukul system, it is not something that will be imposed on. It will be a part of everybody's education system and i think we will adopt to it very easily because it we will enjoy becoming that no i think i think there's tremendous power in that kind of a shift you know happening where people then how much they use it automatically they will start using more and more of it when the time comes you know in, actually in because sense. yeah because you don't have to use it you are going to become it you know it's like suppose if i learn seva bhav in school I don't have to use it. It will become a part of my personality. If I learn that, uh, you know, tyag, tapasya, which means meditation, if I learn sacrifice, if I learn giving up something that I have for somebody, it will come natural because as a child, it comes natural to you. It is not imposed on you. And it is there today also in a lot of schools. It is there in a lot of schools where these things are taught. And then the child grows up, grows up understanding that this is the way to live for a child whatever we are teaching them at that age they are just absorbing it understanding that this is the way to be whatever parents are going to teach them and what the school is going to teach them is who they are going to become so that's the most powerful place to start bharat is a country where people from all over the world came to the universities of this country right and that's what we used to hear in the history books no that's what we studied and today so many children are just waiting. Oh, I'm waiting to finish school because I want to go to the university outside the country. There's nothing wrong in going outside. I mean, that's not a question mark on that. 
And the question is that this country is so rich, so rich in its culture that by India at 100, that cycle will repeat and people from other countries will want to come back to Bharat, to come back to the universities and to study how to become a ruler over themselves because not many others have those tools and techniques. No, no, I think that's a very, very powerful thought. You know, in one of the earlier conversations around how India will, you know, shape the world as, as we become India at 100, you know, thought was that India will not become a superpower, but become like a super partner, partner to every country in the world in some shape or form. And that will be a true realization of our, you know, potential. Also, you know, the whole Vasudev Kudumbakam, India, which has been the base or, you know, where all of this in a way originated, right? India becoming the place where you come to get your spiritual quotient and from there lead, you know, the, the, the rest of your, of your life. So, you know, if, but if why is India, why is India called Vishwaguru? See, why is India called Vishwaguru? So Guru means the one who brings us out of darkness into light. So that is the meaning of the word Guru. And India is called Vishwaguru. So Vishwaguru, which means the country which has the power to bring the entire world from darkness into light. And which darkness and which light are we talking about? So the darkness is about our sanskars, what we have called normal today. I mean, even if we look post-COVID, post-COVID, there has been a huge rise in mental health issues in the country also, but globally also. There's a huge rise in mental health issues. This is not going to dip on its own. Something has to be done for it. So now today we're aware of mental health issues. We're talking about it. But what do we do to prevent mental health issues? Treating mental health issues, yes, very much needed, but preventing mental health issues, which means strengthen the soul, empower the mind, energize the mind so that it is ready to face anything that happens. It doesn't dip. It doesn't feel low. Today, school children, post-COVID, I have personally experienced huge rise in anxiety, panic attacks in school children. And there is no reason for it. They don't have a reason why they are going through it. They just said, I don't know why, very scared, I get panic attack, palpitation, anxiety. Now, this cannot be termed as success of a country, right? If school children are going to be talking about depression, anxiety, panic attack, and we are not talking history. When we were in school, so you and me 30 years back, we did not have any child in our school talking about anxiety, depression. These words were like anxiety, so I don't think I knew that word 30 years back. Depression was rarest of rarest. And those also we would say, you know, elders, in that age had depression. You never have a school child saying depression. So we're not talking history of the country. We're talking our era, our childhood, just 30 years back. There's nothing much that we have to reconstruct. It's just that we have to learn something that we left in these 25, 30 years. You know, even somewhere, I think, you know, the way we relate to, uh, you know, ourselves, our identity, the people around us, the world, you know, one thing that gets imbibed in people very early in life is religion, right? Yes. I am a, a you know, Hindu, I am a, you know, whatever is your religion, right? And, and that really focuses more on rights, rituals, customs, you know, and all of that in a way shapes your behavior. But if one is able to really put all of that in a simpler context of, you know, a spirituality or a word, you know, that kind of puts that in perspective, would that really in a way shift or in society i mean how, how do you see 
see see that you know as a as a way forward actually the golden age of bharat means what will be very natural will be soul consciousness soul consciousness and today we will be able to see it contradictory to what it is today today we are role conscious we are position conscious we are gender conscious we are age conscious relationship conscious religion conscious so when we interact it is i am female you are a male i am a hindu you are a muslim i am an indian you are from america i am rich you are poor i am so it is i am the fill in the blank after that is a role position religion nationality caste this is not the truth this is all important but this is all mine it's my name my religion my nationality my body even when i look at this male female is the gender of my body you know so i don't say i the head is paining it's my head that is paining so who is the i which is referring to all these things as mine that is i the soul that is atma so when we say atma nirbhar atma nirbhar is coming from the word atma atma means soul you call it soul call it spirit call it light call it power basically just the understanding that this is matter this is the energy and it is this energy which is doing everything through this body and this energy is i everything else is mine now when i remember that and when i live in that consciousness then i am a soul talking to you another soul equality vasudev kutumbakam cannot happen without equality which means i and you are same religion when we say religion religion is of the soul so every religious prophet they came to teach us that peace love compassion unity this is our nature they were teaching us the religion of the soul dharm means duty so the duty of the soul is to be peaceful pure clean compassionate it is the religion of the soul we now made it into hindu muslim christian sikh they were all teaching us the same thing nobody taught us anything different the way of explaining could be different lifestyle could be different but the gyan the knowledge the understanding the truth was the same but what we did was instead of connecting to the teaching we connected to the teachers and so we said i am different you are different if we connected to the teaching i and you are same so golden age means i remember that i am a soul and i automatically remember that you are a soul and i connect to you with that consciousness so then there is no feeling of being different superior inferior less more is just a role less and more is not you and i less and more is just your role and my role so today we are role consciousness golden age we will be soul consciousness that is atma consciousness that is atmanirbhar no you have re, you redefined or you know defined atmanirbhar so differently you know atma the soul and my dependence on my soul yes and guys behavior of society yes. and if each person does that you know atmanirbhar itself will take a very different meaning and i think golden age will be you know probably for us to yeah. all enjoy in some shape Is that atma, is that the right yeah. meaning of it? Okay. Atma nirbhar means when I remember I'm a soul, I also remember that peace, love, power, happiness is my nature. It's my sanskar. 
I have to only bring that sanskar into my behavior. It is my sanskar. When I forgot that I'm a soul, now today what we are doing, I want to buy happiness. So we are buying things to be happy. We want to achieve to be happy. We are in relationships seeking love. We're looking for power in roles and position. So everything that is mine to experience peace, I'm going away far away somewhere that I want to be peaceful, where there's no noise. I want to be away from everybody. I want to experience peace. So what is mine? It is my sanskar. I have forgotten. And I'm in my role consciousness looking for the experience of these sanskars from something outside. So happiness is normal. I said stress is normal. And then I said, I will be happy when I achieve. I will be happy when I get. I will be happy when I buy. And then I buy, I get, I achieve. Then I say, I will be happy when now I buy the next thing or I achieve the next thing. So happiness is no more my personality. It is something that I'm always wanting from outside. And so is love. So Atma Nirbhar means I remember that these are my sanskars. I'm not dependent for them anywhere on the outside world. They are my nature, my sanskar. And what this does is it shifts me from being wanting, seeking, to becoming a giver. Because I am happiness and love, I'm not standing like this in front of the world and say, give me happiness, give me love, give me peace. No, it is who I am and this is what I give. This is what I give. So this is the Sanskriti of Bharat, to be a giver. And so if we look at the paintings, the sculptures, the portraits of our ancestors, whom we call Devi Devtas, the deities, you will see them all like this. Both the hands are of being a giver. So it's only teaching us to be a giver in life. And so their hands will be like this and their aura will be white in color, which means when you are spiritual quotient highest, your aura is white, highest vibrational frequency, you're becoming a giver in life. And that is Atmanirbhar. Opposite of Atmanirbhar today, I can get stressed by the smallest challenge outside. I can get upset by one word of somebody which is not my way. I am not able to give up something that I'm addicted to. I'm powerless. I'm helpless. I'm seeking love. I'm hurt. I'm depressed. So this is not Atmanirbhar. This is opposite. This is completely situation and people Nirbhar, which means I'm dependent on situations and people for being who I am. So this is like this. Energy has become outside in. That is what we believe. The truth is energy is from inside out. That is Atmanirbhar. So automatically Atmanirbhar is Soneki Chidya, which means it's high spiritual quotient is Atmanirbhar. Yeah, and you can only give when you have, right? So when you automatically have. what we yes. for a developed country. Yes. And that's why today when we look at developed countries or the richer countries, People look at them so that they will give them something. You know, this yeah. this the shift, this change, you know, can can make put India in that position. But on a practical basis, right? Like we, we talked of, you talked of, you know, the, the the light. How how does one really build one spiritual quotient, right? How does an individual? What can one do on a daily basis? You know, is there is there some thought around that that you can share as to how does one really build uh, that quotient, you know, uh, to a magnitude, of course, when many build it, when society will change, but how does one build it? Society starts changing with the power of one. So, you know, we don't wait because sometimes we feel, oh, what's the point? Only I'm creating the change. 
it's power of one. Like in any other change, it's always going to be the power of one. So every one individual who's going to create a shift within themselves, this is a vibrational change, you know? So like you are sitting in your office right now. If you are shifting in your vibration, so let's say hypothetically, it's not a figure, but if I'm trying to shift from, if I'm at 10 today and I want to shift to 100, so 100 is the golden era, which means the soul is completely charged. So Bharat at 100 will be a spiritual quotient where my vibration wise, I'm 100. But right now I'm at 10. So suppose I'm at 10, I'm radiating that energy around me. So whether this is a parent at home, whether this is a leader in an organization, radiating those vibrations of anger, aggression, shouting, competitiveness, Com competition is not our nature. We are instilling it in every child today. Life is a competition. Life is a competition. Life is cooperation. You are competing with your own self, which means you are going to work hard. You are going to excel. You are going to go and get better and better and better, better than your own self. But it is so deep instilled that you have to be better than other people. Now, this is what creates ego, which means it either creates a superiority complex in me or it creates an inferiority complex. It creates comparison. It creates jealousy. So all because someone somewhere taught me that I have to be better than other people. This is where we forgot the sanskars of the soul. But when I start working on myself as an individual, I will work to get better than myself. So if I'm at 10 today, I want to move at 20, move to 30. Now let me sit back and think to shift in my vibration which means I'm shifting my sanskar from all those uncomfortable sanskars to very comfortable sanskars which keep me at ease, what should I do? First thing is, like our Honorable Prime Minister started yoga, what a big gift it is to the country. You know, like this, we are going to be gifting, not just to the country, but to the world. So, but first we have to start using it. Then we will be able to gift our gifts to the rest of the world. So like yoga, now one more step ahead, meditation which means spending time here to charge that battery, to energize the soul. Not too much time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Sit still, be with yourself, have an inner conversation, create your affirmations of who you want to be. So that's meditation. Second, if I want to become that, then I have to study that subject, right? So if I want to become an engineer, I have to study the engineering subjects. If I want to become a doctor, I have to study the medical subjects. If I want to raise my spiritual quotient, I need to study that subject. So at least 30 minutes of spiritual study because it is content that's going in. A very big factor in the last 20, 25 years is content consumption. We need to remember content directly creates our sanskars because what I watch, read, listen is who I become. So content is equal to sanskar, that is personality, is equal to destiny, whether of the individual or whether of the country. We know the kind of content we are flooded with today. Now, again, the difference between 30 years back and today, we as children were not flooded with content. So for us, content was just good books and whatever our parents taught us. But today, at one click, a little child is exposed to content of all quality. And what we don't realize is it's creating their personality. It's not entertainment. It's not just entertainment. It's creating their personality. So if I'm consuming content which has lust, ego, greed, jealousy, which is our five vices, which we say calm, krodh, lobe, mo, ahankar, then I'm becoming that. Now I want to become the opposite. 
So I need to consume the opposite content. So purity, faith, compassion, acceptance. I start consuming that every day. So even if we give 30, 40 minutes to ourselves on a daily basis, 10, 15 minutes of meditation, 15, 20 minutes of spiritual study, programming has started. My coding has started internally. Then throughout the day, be a karam yogi. Karam yogi means you are doing your karam, but you're doing it in a yogi stage. Yogi stage meaning a high vibrational stage in an atma nirbhar way, which means go to work, but don't go to work to seek. Go to work to give. It's a consciousness. When you leave your home in the morning, leave with the consciousness, I'm going for seva. It doesn't mean you're doing charity. You are earning, but go with the consciousness of being a giver. Giver to your colleagues, giver to your people, giver to your staff, and giver to your giver to the world even through your business. You're giving to the world. So the consciousness has to be of seva bhav. When you're nurturing your children, you're doing seva. So that consciousness is automatically of being a giver. And then you're not standing like this before the world, but you're standing like this. And that itself is a very big, big shift. So being a karam yogi means you're doing your karam but you're doing it with these sanskars of purity, of compassion, of empathy. These are not just going to be words that we're just going to study in the morning. These will be words which will become a part of our personality in action. So as a leader, to be empathetic, to be intuitive, to be a very good listener, not just listening from here, but listening with a silent mind, absolute silent mind listening to somebody. I have to cultivate this. It can't just come because I studied in an engineering college or an MBA college. They don't teach me how to become that. They only teach me the outside world. So meditation, spiritual study, karam yogi. The first energy that comes into every house is money, dhan. So the way of earning money needs to have a little shift because there are four words which create our destiny. Dhan, an, man, and tan, which means wealth, the food we eat, the mind, and the body. They go in that order. Dhan, an, man, and tan. Which means the money I earn is used to buy the food I eat as a family. So the money better come in with the right energy. Now again, as a society, we're more focused on how much I earn. The priority needs to be how I earn. Am I only earning money or am I earning blessings with money? So everything that I'm doing, whether I'm an employee in your office or I'm the head of the organization, in the way I work and the work I do, I need to earn blessings with money. The money needs to come home with the highest energy because it is that money which nurtures the family, whether it's the food they eat, whether it's the education of the children, whether it's everything that you buy, your home, your shelter, is all with the vibration of the money, not just the amount of the money. So if I am not taking care of my vibration when I'm earning, then everything that is bought with that money has another energy, has another energy. So purity in the way I earn will change the destiny because it's the first energy that's coming home. So how much I earn is important, but how I earn is very, very important. So earn blessings and money will follow. Money will follow. Because money will only buy everything. It's blessings which will keep you contented. And sometimes people feel, oh, if I'm only focused on contentment and blessings, then will I achieve? Will I excel? Well, just experiment and see because you'll excel more than what you are doing right now. 
that is certain. With a stressed, fatigued, tired, angry mind, we're creating miracles. Imagine what we will create with happy, peaceful, compassionate minds. So the money is prime, prime energy which needs to be taken care of. This greed to just wanting to earn more at any cost in any way is what is affecting our destiny and the destiny of the entire family. So that's why now we have Diwali coming next week. Sri Lakshmi is equated to wealth. Why is wealth equated to a deity? Because wealth is supposed to be divine. It's supposed to be divine. It's not just currency. It's not just an amount. It's an energy. It's a vibration. So let money come home with divine energy that's blessed things. Food, experiment with a plant-based diet. Because again, a spiritual law which Bharat has in our culture for thousands of years, jaisa an, vaisa man. As is the food, so is the mind. Food is not only nutrition. Food is vibration. So today we are focused only on a high nutrition diet, which is very, very important, but high vibration, high nutrition diet. So not just eating anything, how it's been cooked. What is the state of mind while cooking? What is the state of mind while eating? Watching screens and eating, talking on phones and eating, watching TV and eating, distracted eating, not very good for the mind. And distracted eating right from the time we are kids they will never be able to eat in a mindful way because it just won't be a part of their personality. They would have never done it. They will never be able to sit still and eat. They will always need a screen in front of them. So distracted eating, not healthy for the mind, not healthy for the brain, not healthy for the body. So un is second very important factor. Eating, the children should be inspired and motivated to eat home-cooked food, home cooked in a, food cooked in a very peaceful way, and most important, eaten in silence in a very peaceful manner because it's that food which will not just nourish the body, it also influences the mind. Stressed mind while eating, running around, busy, agitated, just gulping down something, not healthy for the mind, not healthy for the body. We're just happy we ate, but actually it's not going to give us energy because it was not eaten the right way. In Ayurveda, we are taught if you're stressed while eating, the food will become toxic. And they say, it's better you don't eat. If you're stressed, don't eat at that time. But what will people do who are stressed most of the day? When will they eat then? So today we are running while having breakfast. Lunch is at work. We are doing business meetings with lunch. And dinner is with TV. Or discussing problems at home. Because that's the only time when the whole family is coming together. Ten minutes of eating should be like a ritual. Eating should really be like a ritual, very divine, very pure experience, less effort and more result in the mind and the body both. Again, today we are focused on what we are eating. We are not focused on how we are eating. You know, so it's that element which is getting ignored, whether in how much I'm earning, not how I'm earning, what I'm eating, we know the best. How I'm eating, not taking care of. Third, sleep, how much I'm sleeping. That is what we are focused on. So today doctors are telling us eight hours to sleep, nine hours to sleep. We don't need to sleep so much because how I am sleeping is going to energize the mind and the body. So that's why sleep is called yoga nidra, which means sleep is also meditation. So if we sleep deep, we sleep right, we need less number of hours to sleep and we will wake up very energized, not fatigued, wanting to sleep more, pressing the snooze button, dragging ourselves out of bed and yet falling off to sleep on a flight or on a train 
sleep deprived. We are a sleep deprived society today. That's another big epidemic. People can fall off to sleep at any time of the day. Any time of the day. Nine o'clock morning on a flight, you will have people dozing off. They are leaders of organizations. You ask them, you didn't sleep last night? Of course I slept last night. Why are you sleeping at this time? It's because bodies are sleeping. Minds don't sleep. Because they don't prepare themselves to sleep. So at least an hour before we sleep should be our time. Disconnect from technology. Be with yourself. Be with family. And last 15 minutes before sleeping, meditate. Again, spiritual study for 5-10 minutes. Don't consume toxic content from the world. Don't watch the world news just before going to sleep. Don't watch crime shows before going to sleep. And these are very simple things. But actually, it's very simple things that are needed for a spiritual quotient. Don't have to create some big change. Very, very simple lifestyle changes will create big miracles as far as here is concerned. And big miracles here will create miracles in health, in relationships, and in the work we do. Also in the work we do. If anybody thinks that, oh, spirituality means I will become passive, I will not excel at what I'm doing, they only need to experiment. You will be doing multiple times better than what you are doing today, even in terms of your performance. Prioritize person and performance will always be better than what you are today. So that's the shift in the vibration. Such a, such a wealth of knowledge in these last few minutes. I think sometimes spiritual study of years, you know, don't really, you know, throw out so much information and, you know, and I think what you just talked about, not only the shifts in, in, in daily lives of, of people, but, you know, in corporations and companies and, you know, CII and, you know, one of the whole agenda for India at 100 is how does, you know, corporate India, you know, become the platform that convenes several stakeholders to come together because large part of the days of, you know, productive people is spent in companies. You know, you talked about so many different aspects in a company that can switch right from, you know, Karma Yogi and how you enter and how you earn. You know, Shivani, there was a big change in the world when companies started looking at the triple P's, right? Uh, profit, people, planet, you know, maybe as you've been talking of ours, it's principles, you know, maybe, I don't know what piece, yes, but another absolutely. P really focuses on, on how is that profit earned, right? How do those people really behave, right? And that will shape how the planet will emerge. You know, maybe a fourth P, you know, so like principles is sanskars, no? What is sanskars? My yeah. principles, my values, my mariyadas, my way of living. That's principles, ethics. We can call it any words, but that is what it is, who I am here. So corporates play a very important role because every person walking out of the organization in the evening is somebody's parent. You know, so send happy people home in the evening. And once you send them home, let them be at home, even in their minds. So even if we do a simple thing, if every organization would do is once you have left the office, so let's say even by six, seven in the evening or eight in the evening, now after that, disconnect from work communication. Just because we have technology doesn't mean we have to be at work till we fall off to sleep. And if we wake up in the middle of the night, we again check our emails. So basically we are tired minds today, tired, fatigued minds. And if you want people coming next day morning as tired, fatigued minds, they will still excel at what they do, but they're not happy while they're working. 
you look at people in the cars in the morning you can't make out whether it's morning or evening because there's no freshness no enthusiasm no vibrance on the faces because they are tired not tired because they didn't sleep lack of deep sleep why lack of deep sleep because they are at work in their minds because they are constantly on phones and emails and they are at work now that is affecting their mental health emotional health physical health relationships parenting everything is getting affected but because the priority only became more i have to achieve more and more and more so i should not keep any time free i should be working all the time so you know there has to be a time there has to be a cut off time uh, i remember earlier when we started working we would ask the employer what is my work time you know so how much time am i expected to be at work so they will say 9 to 6 and maximum stretch it up to 7 today what is work time what is work time so at least if we start defining this we will be creating a very strong society because when we say bharat at 100 then you're looking at people who are today in kindergarten let's say and 25 years later they're going to be part of your organization but today if they're not getting emotionally strong parenting they're getting rich parenting but they're not getting emotionally strong parenting and they're talking about depression and anxiety in school then what kind of people are going to join the organization 25 30 years from today so we have to prioritize that today and so send happy people home in the evening and then tell them they're not expected to work till they come back to work tomorrow morning if we even start doing this one thing only one thing disconnect by 7 pm or 8 pm no phone calls no emails no calling each other no expecting the other person to be at work not expecting i messaged you you did not reply the person is supposed to be with their family and then people will be able to sleep early they will see light then they will be able to wake up early so it is bharat our sanskriti which knows about brahma mahurat amrit vela you know so the 4 to 5 am time today people from the west are coming and teaching us the 5 am leadership club so they say wake up at 5 am if you want to create leadership quality but somebody will be able to wake up between 4 and 5 if they've slept early and slept right if they sleep late and wake up between 4 and 5 there will be another issue in life then because then they are not emotionally and physically healthy so sleep is a very important factor but deep sleep so disconnect from work spend time with your family spend time with yourself take your mind into the alpha stage and then prepare yourself to go to sleep experience deep sleep you need only 6 hours of sleep then and you will wake up between 4 and 5 am which is the highest intuitive time of the 24 hour cycle that's why it's called the brahma mahurat which means the mahurat time of the 24 hour cycle now wake up at that time and intuition clarity decision making a child studying it will be peak performance at that time meditation yoga today when we tell people meditate they say we don't have time we are so tired we just don't have time to do it so that's not being very fair I think the India's Amrit Kaal, which we talk, yes. the journey of next 25 years needs to involve a lot of Amrit Vela time as well in the in the in the in the lives of people. You know, and as you were talking about society, you know, being shaped by different stakeholders, right? We've talked about youth, we've talked about young people, we've talked about corporates, 
you know, there's a role, I think, for government. You know, a large discussion happening today is that, you know, India's economic progress, for example, you know, uh, today uh, women are not playing that large a role in shaping the economic piece of, of society. And, you know, India can unlock a lot in that. You know, any, any thoughts around, you know, those aspects, right, as we, as we move forward, uh, role of women, uh, government, any, anything else in society that you feel, you know, one should focus on as we move on this, on this journey for the next 25 years. You know, most important is when you understand you are a soul, then man or woman is just the costume that you're wearing. So like now I'm wearing a sari and you're wearing a suit, that's the only thing that is different. Similarly, I'm wearing the costume of a woman, you're wearing the costume of a man, but you and I are soul and we're carrying same sanskars. Man and woman is a conditioning that we grow up with. It's not our sanskar. It can be a physical health difference. I mean, the physical stamina difference can be there, but today we've also seen that that also doesn't remain. But spiritually, sanskar-wise, personality-wise, absolutely no difference. Absolutely no difference. It's like the battery is the same. The instruments are different, okay? So the man and woman is just two different instruments, but the battery is the same. So you can remove one soul from one body and put them in another body, just that. So their man and woman is just a conditioning. We grow up with that conditioning. You're a woman, you're a woman, you're a woman. And then the society treats you like that. But once a woman remembers that she's Atmanirbhar and she has all the beautiful sanskars to create magic in the world, nothing can stop her, not even the conditioning of society, honestly. And the government, of course, teaching us how to progress in terms of everything that we're doing outside. But along with that, if we start focusing on our sanskars, because everything is, you know, so much role the government plays right in terms of schooling, our education system, our employment. In every place, if this is put as a factor, so in every organization, if EQ is more important than my marks, okay, automatically the child will start taking care of it during study. So suppose somebody walks into your office now for a job, prioritize checking their EQ before what are their marks. Automatically that child will take care. So in every aspect, if we start taking care of the sanskar, then as a country, we're going to go back to being very, very rich in our culture. Culture is not just what we eat, drink, festivals. That is not only culture. Culture is sanskar. So it is sanskar, sanskriti, sansar. So course, the government has already started talking a lot about it, started nurturing in it, but it's just the beginning. And we have another 25 years to work on it, and we will definitely reach. And another one thing that we can start doing is, I don't know whether it will happen officially, but personally on our own levels, we start referring to the country as Bharat, because mm -hmm. the name has energy, the name has power. Bharat is a country where every child is given a name with a lot of care. And when you meet a child and you ask them their name, every child's name has a meaning. We're not given names which don't have meaning. And all the meanings are very pure, powerful words because a name is a highest affirmation of my lifetime. You know, it could be heard and spoken and said millions, millions, millions of times. So a name is an affirmation. So every time the name is repeated, it's an energy that is created. And that affirmation repeated again and again becomes a reality. Like your name is Rajan. So Rajan means a ruler. So that ruler is first a ruler over herself and then the leadership quality. So Bharat is two words, Bha and Rat. So Bha means light. 
so the light of knowledge and rath means devoted dedicated so bharat is a country which is devoted to the light of knowledge for themselves and for giving it to the world that's why bharat is called vishwaguru so if we keep on using the word bharat it is a reminder of who we are it is a reminder of our sanskar and sanskriti and if the whole country starts using this name again not a new name not a new name it is our name just start using our original name again imagine billions of people saying bharat 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 that itself will raise the vibration of the country because it's an affirmation wow wow like like super partner i think bharat is a vishwa guru very very clear role that india can have for the world of course first for its own people and then you know for the world that it's it, that that's that's all it is you know i don't know how our hour has gone gone by i think we can continue you know for for so much more time but i am going to at least take one question so with your permission you know extend this by about a few minutes uh, you know one question is saying it it's said on the spiritual path two steps ahead and sometimes two steps backward but to stay on the path how does one see uh, how one is progressing a question from mansi ilkar so sorry but i'm going to just have to ट्रेसिंगेटेशनिंगेटेशनिंगेटेशनिंगेटेशनिंगेटेशनिंगेटेशनिंगेटेशनिंगेटेशनिंगेटेशनिंगेटेशनिंगेटेशनिंगेटे
we just have to re-establish that and and you know you shared such a beautiful process and path for us to be able to to make that happen uh, thank you thank you so much for such a wonderful and engaging conversation and discussion and we're truly blessed that you know you could spare this time with us and and help see how we together can take part where it where it needs to be thank you thank you sir This was Sister BK Shivani in an enlightening conversation with host Rajan Navani. For her, the golden age of India depends on the spiritual health and well-being of all. Once we all have the highest spiritual quotient, only then we can recreate India's golden age. Thank you all for tuning into the I Have a Dream podcast. Stay tuned for more conversations where we explore what India has overcome and what India can do to become a strong leader as we enter a golden period.